0: This is the Movie Hall of Fame, Wednesday, March 6th, 2019. We are inducting the class of 1980, Adam Hall. We're back with 1980, yeah, yeah. Week number two of this new experiment we're trying out. Yeah. Disclaimer right off the top. What's up? You want to explain to the people what happened last week, 45 minutes after we finished recording?
1: (laughs) Oh, well, what happened was uh, we realized that we made the
0: wrong decision, (laughs) essentially. The funny thing is that we both realized it the exact same moment. Yeah. I I sent him a text in agony, just like, should have been planes, trains, and automobiles. We made the wrong call. And then you texted me back, it should have either been planes, trains, or RoboCop. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, I agree with that then why the fuck did the (laughs) two of us settle on A Princess Bride as the inductee for 1987? Even though when I asked about it, and we asked Zach and Nick, and they were like, oh, no, you made the right decision with Princess Bride. But something about us was like, nah. You know what I I think I'm worried about? What's up? And this is what I'll keep in mind uh, from now on, Mm -hmm. is I don't want to pick the least bad movie. I want to pick the best. And that's why I think that method of crossing off one movie at a time is not the best way to go about it. It didn't work. We just need to like like muscle
1: through it and and come to a consensus and a compromise and yeah.
0: And also I think we should leave more room for our own personal opinions. I think just I think we should stop apologizing for liking certain movies. Like if we feel strongly about a movie, we should put it in. Yeah. Like I fuck whatever the National Film Registry says or whatever the consensus is. Like if we just think a movie's better, like that should have weight okay you know what i mean yeah
1: i certainly ha- i guess i i kind of had that with predator i suppose that's a yeah yeah i guess that could qualify as one of those movies even though there are plenty of films in the national film registry that we're just gonna induct it's just the way yeah it is. no i know
0: i just think like there was something about planes trains that soured me i guess even though i love that movie uh, you know it was one of the two or three better movies on that list in my opinion hmm There was something about the prestige of that movie that didn't sit right with me. And that's why I was apprehensive about putting it in. Even though we're not sure if that really should matter. It shouldn't. Yeah. No, I I think iconography should. But just because like a movie doesn't feel important doesn't mean it isn't important. You know? Mm, We're going to have great conversations coming up. We're going to have such (laughs) great, especially on this one. um so i just want to apologize we both want to apologize yes, off the top, i'm so sorry we made an error even even if you agree with us <laughs> we fucked up anyway. bad call <laughs> but what if people are like yeah no
1: no that's that, that good on you guys you, like thank you for like correcting the academy's mistakes and now we're saying no we still fucked up anyway
0: um then you're going to be disappointed from here on out i
1: think <laughs> <laughs> we're so we're basically what we're saying is that we're always going to make the wrong decision
0: well, it, no one's ever going to be happy, exactly. Right, and especially when you put us two together.
1: You know that's a great motto. And, and yes, when when it comes down to like deciding opinions on movies, you're always making the wrong decision. Right. So there it is.
0: Yeah, that's a good tagline for this show. You're always always making the wrong call. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I yeah. like it. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Always blowing the fight. All right.
1: <laughs> so we don't have to worry. That's a big weight off of our shoulders. We're we're always going to get it wrong, guys. <laughs> to somebody.
0: Wow, that is so... Yeah, that is a... That's a soothing thought. Yeah. You're welcome. We're always going to get it wrong, so who the fuck cares if yeah, we get it wrong? exactly. Fuck them. Great point. <laughs> I hope that doesn't apply to this uh, this week's set of nominees, though. Mm-hmm. From the year 1980. Yep. We did this draft last week, and I will read them now. These are the six movies nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame in the year 1980. They are Raging Bull... The Empire Strikes Back, The Shining, Airplane, Caddyshack, and The Elephant Man. Yes. One of these six will be inducted into the Movie Hall of Fame. The other five will go home with some consolation prizes. Yeah. but, but A $25 f- <laughs> gift card to Sears Home Goods. Yeah. Thank you for
1: being here. You're you know, here so you won't get fined or whatever. Here's a gift bag. <laughs> Here's a gift. What did you guys get at Trivia? That's what these guys get. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yo, uh,
0: strawberry Twinkies. That's what they get. Right. Yeah, we, I did win some Trinkies. Some Twinkies. Some Twinkies. Some Twinkies last week, which you didn't eat because you. Don't which eat I Twinkies. didn't eat, but my household polished those off quite nicely. I took one. I had to steal one. From you guys. I know you do. I, my father called you a communist the other day, <laughs> I <know. laughs> which I thought was just a brilliant way of putting it. Yeah, that's accurate. Mm. Um, before we dive deep into this set of six nominees, I have some more facts about the year nineteen eighty. Okay. Because it was, I would say, a fairly major one. Yes, a fairly
1: important year.
0: Yeah, a, uh, a real changing of the guard in Hollywood, and I'll explain why in a minute. Mm-hmm. Best picture that year went to Ordinary People. Mm. Among a list of nominees that included Ordinary People, Coal Miner's Daughter, The Elephant Man, Raging Bull, and Tess, which I've never even heard of. Kes? Tess. T-E-S-S. Oh, Tess. Okay, okay. It's one of the more controversial choices in the history of the Best Picture race, I would say. It's maybe the start of when the,
1: uh maybe the streak where the Oscars just pick shitty movies. Aside from maybe Citizen Kane.
0: So yeah. Maybe,
1: maybe that's the start of it all. Where it's well, like...
0: that was literally the beginning of modern Hollywood.
1: Well, not really. Well, yeah. Maybe. yeah. <laughs> so they've always been fucking it up.
0: They've always gotten it wrong. This year <laughs> seemed particularly egregious. Mm. Um, I would consider it Again, the third best movie on this list. Okay. Even though... Have you seen it? No. (laughs) Okay. So, it's actually not that bad. I'm sure it's not. And... uh, Maybe I would slot it in over one of these movies in our list of six nominees. I watched it a few years ago because I I know a guy whose favorite movie of all time is Ordinary People. It's his favorite movie. Wow. And we argue all the time about... That's not even the best movie that came out in 1980, and there's this whole back and forth that we have about how he thinks Raging Bull is overly simplistic, and uh, <laughs> that Ordinary People is the m- more mature, more complex, <laughs> superior film. No, he says this, and we argue about it. So a few years ago, I said, all right, let's sit down and watch these things back to back, and it was cool, because like, I watched Ordinary People first, and it was a nice, pleasant surprise and then you watch Raging Bull, and you're like, yeah, you're fucking hot. <laughs> and that guy has single-handedly ruined, at, similar to the Oscars, and I think the Oscars has done that to the consensus as well. It ruins Ordinary People for us, because we're always comparing it to Raging Bull. Yeah. You know? I agree. But it's not a bad movie. I'm sure it's not. You should check it out. No, it's not I bad. I agree. Robert Redford wins Best Director over yeah. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't see I watched Raging Bull. It's like I can't imagine anyone else get like I like, especially in that year, I can't imagine anyone doing a better job than <laughs> Scorsese in that film. It's remarkable.
0: I mean, as a work of direction, oh, it's man. not
1: even it's not even close. Like the boxing sequences alone. It's crazy. And how much is how much character is going on or how much character is jam-packed into it, how much emotion is, is whirling around. Oh my
0: god. It's so insane awesome uh, they do give De Niro best actor they don't screw him out of that and they give Thelma her editing Oscar thank God they do give Thelma the editing Oscar Sissy Spacek wins best actress in coal miners daughter another movie that I haven't seen it's the Loretta Lynn story I have not seen it uh, I hear she's quite great in that movie and it's a pretty good movie as well um, Timothy Hutton wins best supporting actor for ordinary people interesting um, over Pesci and oh, uh, oh God, that's right <laughs> oh And Mary Steenburgen wins Best Supporting Actress for Melvin and Howard, a movie I've never heard of. Okay. Highest grossing movie of that year, Empire Strikes Back, Mm -hmm. by a substantial margin. Um, Nine to Five is the second, the Dolly Parton movie. Oh, okay. Which is a pretty good movie. Uh, Stir Crazy, Airplane, and Any Which Way You Can, round out the top five. The National Film Registry. Oh, God. We talked about that last week. Yep. Inducted a number of movies from 1980. Unlike the year 1987, only three movies got in Mm -hmm. from that year. The National Film Registry recognizes Airplane, (laughs) Atlantic City, which I think is a technicality because it was released 1980 in Canada, but 1981 in the United States. Okay. So put an asterisk next to that. Um, Empire Strikes Back makes it on the list. Uh, A documentary called Garlic is as Good as Ten Mothers. An experimental film called "Hours for Jerome," mm-hmm. a documentary called "The Life and Times of Rosie the Riveter," All right. a animated short subject called "Moon Breath Beat." Am oh. I boring you? Little. <laughs> and then, Raging Bull, of The Shining, and Return of the Sicacus. Sicacus? I thought you were about to say Return of the Living Dead, and I'm like, what? Return what, of what, the Sicacus Seven. <laughs> okay. The big four are Airplane, Raging Bull, The Shining, and Empire. Mm, that's correct. Which have all been nominated.
1: Yes. As, the, you know, obviously.
0: Also rands for the year 1980. Yeah. Movies that we may regret not nominating. As I said, Ordinary People. Mm. Haven't seen Coal Miner's Daughter. American Gigolo, the Paul Schrader movie. One of his first movies came okay. out in 1980. Um, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Friday the 13th. <laughs> Even though it's not a good movie, right? No. Okay. Why would I nominate Friday the thirteenth? I thought you'd love it. No, I mean I
1: love it in my own way, but it shouldn't be nominated for the best <laughs> film of nineteen eighty. The movie kinda sucks.
0: <laughs> I love it in my own way.
1: Um also Blues Brothers. We talked about that. I again I love it. I don't think I would have nominated it though.
0: You know, I'm look I'm staring at Caddyshack, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh There's something to be said about the fact that Blues Brothers is the best Saturday Night Live movie. Yeah. So like we're never gonna nominate another Saturday Night Live movie. So maybe this should have been the one to to do it. Again, but then you gotta ask
1: what's what's honestly what's better, Caddyshack or Blues Brothers. Yeah, I mean I mean it's close, but it's
0: close. Yeah, that was the one I I wanted to leave off. And also I should mention the film Heaven's Gate, directed by Michael Cimino. Never seen it. Neither have I. It's a three-hour mess of a movie. Apparently. That went way over budget, and many credit it as the end of the auteurist movement in America. The studios gave Michael Cimino, fresh off of The Deer Hunter, so much power and so many resources, and it was such a colossal flop, considered one of the worst movies of all time, (laughs) and that's sort of to blame for the, I'll be frank, shit show (laughs) <laughs> of movies to come in the 1980s. Oh my God, I do like the 1980s.
1: There, there's don't don't get don't get me wrong. There's some great films that came out, but yeah, this is like, uh, almost like a precursor to what we got in like the 2000s in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just that like overwhelming uh, like Hollywood model that kind of got, got rebirthed
0: which always happens when you give the little guys too much power. Yeah. And that's how Hollywood sort of operates. But then the 90s comes along and shakes it up a little bit. Right. And then, yeah, you know. But I, but if you're ever wondering, wow, why does it seem like all the great movies came out in the 70s and none of them came out in the 80s? It's cuz they did. It's because <laughs> at least in part uh because of Heaven's Gate. Yes. And Michael Cimino's Disaster. Fuck you, Michael Cimino. Way to go. Even though I fucking love The Deer Hunter.
1: I don't so, I don't want to watch it, but
0: So that's what we're dealing with here. The last year of the autourist movement, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think we have a a list of nominees that is pretty exemplary. Yes. Exemplary? Exemplary. Exemplary. Mm. Good. Good job. Thanks, man. Should we get into it? Sure. Let's start with Caddyshack.
1: Oh, Caddyshack. Let's get it out of the way. Freeze, gopher.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I put this in... Or you drafted it, but I urge you to draft it just because it's like an iconic movie. Yeah. Directed by Harold Ramis. Mm-hmm. His first directorial effort, he went on, of course, to direct Vacation, Groundhog Day, and analyze this. Yep. And, of course, played Egon in uh, Ghostbusters. Written by Douglas Kenny, Brian Doyle Murray, and Harold Ramis himself. The movie cost $6 million, ended up grossing $39.8 million. has a reputation as a cult classic. That's true a favorite among certain circles but at the time and even to this day is not necessarily a critical favorite where do you stand on caddyshack i love caddyshack what are you talking about okay you do <laughs> <laughs> caddyshack's
1: great oh good <laughs>
0: i fucking adore this movie really oh yeah this is one
1: of my uh, uh it's in my i don't know top 30 comedies whoa yeah it's, up, it's pretty up there okay yeah it's, it's certainly not my my uh Uh, favorite film not even honestly maybe not even by harold Ramis. if i'm being honest oh definitely not but uh yeah this is a this again what what, i guess what strikes it for me is just how freaking memorable this movie is Mm. it's it's a very you know it's it's a film about caddies and it's fun yeah (laughs) it's a film about golf caddies and it's actually a shit ton of fun i mean a lot of that is elevated by the the casting of course you as
0: know. as most comedies of the era. Yeah, I know.
1: Certainly elevated by the casting. But this film is a, I, I, it's another like Jaws for me. I mean, strange comparison. But Jaws is a film that I always say is a lot better than it had any right to be. Yeah. And it's kind of similar with this.
0: Yeah. um, It is a pretty, like, I won't say insightful, but a, a movie that gets a lot right about being a caddy mm-hmm. and being around golf culture, <laughs> I'm not a golfer by any means. No, obviously you're not a golfer, uh, <laughs> and obviously I'm not. Um, but I know a lot of golfers, yep. and so I feel like I get their sort of attitude towards the sport mm-hmm. and how elitist it is and how sacred it is. And people get so precious <laughs> about their golf clubs and their uh, and and you know their their handicap and. Mm-hmm. Golfers love golf a little too much. Oh yeah. And I think this movie nails that in a lot of ways. Good good at like satirizing it anyway. Oh, definitely. The way that they treat the caddies in this movie is mm. very hilarious. Chevy Chase's relationship to golf and Rodney's relationship to golf sort of represent everything that golf should be, mm-hmm. and then everybody else sort of acts as what golf actually is. Um and, and so I agree. if you want to understand golf Ironically this is the best movie. Yeah. To to do so. I I think by far and away it's the best golf movie. I don't think it's close, right? Honestly,
1: the only thing you could <laughs> you could throw in competition is Happy Gilmore, but I yeah, it's 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 Caddy Shack.
0: Uh, what's the other Tin Cup? You ever seen Tin Cup? That's yeah, all right. Yeah. The greatest game ever played.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I have seen that. It's kind of yeah. yeah. It's not
0: it's it's not this. Yeah, I think it is the best golf movie. AFI, the American Film Institute, named it the seventh best sports movie of all time. Wow. Number seven. There's what? <laughs> number. <laughs> a- I mean, okay. AFI, by the way, loves Caddyshack. They also named it number 71 on their all time list of comedies. All right. And the quote from Bill Murray's character Cinderella Story, out of nowhere, a former groundskeeper, <laughs> now about to make the Masters Championship. It looks like a mirror. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. It's in the Number ninety-two on their all-time best movie quotes list. Yeah, AFI loves Caddyshack. Nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong oh. with it. It's just sort of a weird
1: movie for them to latch onto. I do like it though when people, uh, you know, come out and say, you know, this little weird film that that got released. It's actually pretty great. Yeah, You know, know, it doesn't happen as often as I would as as I want it to, you know, and it's nice when people actually acknowledge how good a film actually is, despite what it's about.
0: Yeah, it's a little engine that could this movie. Yes, I agree. It's a little engine that could and it stands in a rarefied air of movies that are, as you said, better than they needed to be Mm -hmm. or had any right being Mm -hmm. um, that that gained a cult following and that occupy their own little special place in, in pop culture, you know? Yeah, And we, it's just like, I watched this movie too and it's like, oh, how does this, how is this the film that catches
1: on too? But it just, you know, again, it's another one of those movies that works even though you're not always sure why. It's just funny.
0: It's I will, just a funny I will movie. be honest, the Bill Murray scenes don't work for me as well as the rest of the movie. Okay. I feel like they've always been a bit of a distraction even though I love Bill Murray. <laughs> I just think every time Rodney's on screen, oh my god, it's it's just lightning.
1: It's, just, it's no, it's like it's there's there are a few uh, uh, comedic performance that I, uh, I I'll say I think about this comedic performance before most. Really? Yeah. Rodney I, and I, I, Caddyshack. Yeah. Albert Einstein made me this good man. Good man. <laughs> it's it's a fucking scope on his putter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, he's so ugly. I understand why tigers eat their young. Oh, <laughs> what did someone step on a duck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't make him like Rodney Dangerfield no, anymore. No, he and the
1: thing, he makes like about fifty percent of that film. Yeah, and so thank God for his performance in that film. It's really great stuff. Hey, it's, you scratch my boat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, a couple fun facts for you. What's up? It was the movie was inspired by some of the real-life memories of its screenwriters. Oh, yeah? Brian Doyle Murray and and Harold Ramis both worked as caddies, and many of the characters in the movie are based on some real people that they knew, including that Baby Ruth candy bar scene. Oh, God. Where they drop the Baby Ruth in the pool, they assume that it's a shit, and the (laughs) owner of the club dumps out all of the water in order to locate the shit. That actually happened. Obviously, it's exaggerated, but that was a real-life thing. There it is. It's no big deal. Takes a bite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the woman faints. Yeah. There was some pandemonium over a baby Ruth. That is great. In the the pool. I have a a fact,
1: by the way. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. uh, No, no. It's it's kind of a big reveal, but you can keep going.
0: Okay. Chevy Chase and Bill Murray hated each other at the time of filming. Did you know that? No. So they had a big feud going back to SNL. They got in a lot of fights behind the scenes in SNL. And so when the movie was wrapped, Harold Ramis realized that Bill Murray and Chevy Chase did not have any scenes together. So he retroactively shot the scene <laughs> where Chevy hits the golf ball into Bill Murray's home <laughs> and then says, uh, can I just play through? can we open up a shade in here? Can I just play through <laughs> so can get it back in there? <laughs> so that is the first and only time they shared the screen together in a major motion picture and it is also responsible for squashing their feud. They became friends afterwards wow. and were able to put it aside. Ew. So that movie re- united two comedic icons.
1: Aw. Even though, I mean, I don't think Chevy Chase is funny at all. Really? Yeah, I don't, I, I've never laughed at a single thing that that man has done, but whatever.
0: Okay. You know? Wow, that's a, that's, a, that's a take. mm take
1: although he's got he's got one moment okay i take it back uh three amigos the water scene in the desert (laughs) is fucking hilarious that's about it
0: he is yeah i mean it is sort of puzzling that he had so many iconic comedy roles but can you think a lot of those movies man i know but can you think of something that
1: stands out as oh that's so chevy chase and funny well he plays straight man a lot right kind of dull and you know it's not it's not very exciting it's it's never like i'm going to see
0: chevy oh well that's certainly true yeah but a, a lot of times though if you are the lead in a movie you don't get the the amount of runway to to be chevy sure you know you don't cast a lot of like idiosyncratic mm-hmm. funny people unless you're robin williams yeah you don't really go see a lot of comedies for the main guy or at least if and or that is i i should say <clears throat> When a comedy fails, it's because they give too much runway to the main guy. Could be. It's because they let Will Ferrell be too Will Ferrell, or they let uh, even Robin be too Robin.
1: Yeah, I agree. But then you have like the, the, the anchormans,
0: you know, where they yeah. do let Will Ferrell be sure. Will Ferrell, and it's brilliant. But Chevy never oversto- stood or overstepped his bounds, y- I sure. guess, which yeah. is its own skill in a way. I just wish he did more, you know? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um... Years later, the production became infamous for the amount of drug usage, which occurred on set, with (laughs) supporting actor Peter Burkrot describing cocaine as, quote, the fuel that kept the film running. (laughs) Apparently, more cocaine was used on the set of this movie than any movie in the era. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Big cocaine. 80s excess right out of the gate. Mm. Uh, What was your fun fact? This
1: is one of the first movies I ever saw.
0: Whoa!
1: as a wee little like 2 year old to like 3 i saw this film like growing up
0: <laughs> no shit
1: yeah i i one of my earliest memories of this film is when i'm like god i don't know 4
0: 4 years old yeah do you know what my first movie was <sighs>
1: mine was forrest gump okay first movie ever uh yours god
0: i have no idea the godfather ooh good start i like it my uncle at a young age i was I was wow. a, of an age where I was still getting carried around in one of those things. Mm. What do you call those? The holders? Uh, the, the cribs? The bassinet? I don't baby know. Baby basket? Whatever. called we'll call it the Moses basket. Rockabye baby. That's what Rockabye baby fell off of in the tree. <laughs> um, <laughs> he put me on the table mm. because my uncle is my godfather and said... For your first movie, we're going to watch The Godfather. (laughs) Now, that's very poetic. Pretty fucking good. That's cool. Pretty fucking good. So now his daughter is my goddaughter. He made me the godfather of his daughter. And she is currently... Actually, she's going to be two in two days. And so it's getting to that time where I'm going to have to sit her down and we're going to have to act out the same tradition. Aww. That's adorable. It's pretty fucking sweet, right? That's pretty adorable. (laughs) That's one of my great... That's one
1: of the benefits Of being Italian right there You are going to be okay When Michael has to Shoot a couple
0: guys In the head Yeah we'll be fine Okay She she might get a little scarred But that's family You gotta keep it in the family That's true Never take sides Against your family I'm gonna tell her See what he did there guys Yeah Never take sides Against the family In public again He's not quoting anything No I don't know what you're Talking about (laughs) I do wanna shout out Bill Murray though In this movie When he talks about The Dalai Lama The Dalai Lama Could be my favorite scene In the whole movie Yeah
1: Oh, God, because you can tell that the actor is, like, actually scared of the pitchfork that he's putting up against his throat.
0: (laughs) My favorite quote, when Murray goes, there he was, the Dalai Lama, 12th son of the Lama. 12th son of the Lama kills me. That's Caddyshack, it has no chance of winning, right? No, unfortunately. Goodbye. Oh, no. Page of notes. Sorry, Caddyshack. Off the list you go. Yeah, it's too bad. I like that movie. I love that movie. Where do you want to go next? Mm, let's do... What do we got? Let's do... You know, I
1: I, I want to get The Elephant Man out of the way.
0: Oh. Let's do The Elephant Man. Directed by David Lynch. Yep. Written by Lynch, Christopher DeVore, and Eric Berggren. Mm-hmm. Stars Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Frederick Treves. Yep. John Hurt as John Merrick. Mm-hmm. And Anne Bancroft pops up in there as well. That's true. She does. Yeah. This movie grossed 26 million dollars on a 5 million dollar budget. Yep. Nothing to sneeze at. Nominated for 8 Oscars, did not win a single one, Adam Hall. That being said, the fact that it lost in
1: certain categories meant that it uh we spawned a new category, correct? We have the best makeup category as a result of this movie. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They like the Oscars were like so ashamed that that didn't get awarded that they're like, "Oh, yeah, we fucked up. We should do something about this. Wow. So they created the whole new category just because of The Elephant Man. Incredible. Yeah. David Lynch's second feature. Good. F- I mean, it's fucking Christ. That That's a, that's killer right there, by the way. Second feature. It
0: starts off with a racer head, goes into The Elephant Man, and then we have Dune, but we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> and then uh, Blue Velvet right after. It's pretty great. Pretty good run. Pretty good. I have a question for you. Hmm. I often wonder this. I daydream about it when, you know, I have nothing else to daydream about. You daydream about about the Elephant Man? Of course. Who who wouldn't? Fair. I often think to myself, what would have happened in the parallel universe if David Lynch just did movies like this? (laughs) And would we live in a better world or a worse world? Oh, God. What say you? Damn. Because I I have the take that (laughs) this
1: is... Oh God. This is if not his best film, his second best film, in mm-hmm. my opinion.
0: I agree. What do you think his best film is?
1: I mean I have my favorite. My favorite is Eraserhead, but uh Mine's blue
0: velvet. Yeah, it could be uh oh but blue velvet could be his best. I think blue velvet's his best. Yeah. But I put Elephant Man at least two or three. Yeah, so do I. Actually, you know what his best is? is season three of Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. That's his best movie. <laughs> <I still laughs> that's need an 18-hour movie that's incredible. Well,
1: I still need to see it. It's so good.
0: I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But so, parallel universe? What's a better... What universe would you rather live in? The universe where David Lynch does his experimental art house stuff. That's the one that we're currently living in. Where he does Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive and all that shit. And a little bit of Twin Peaks. Or the one where he says yes to return of the jedi they offered him return of the jedi and he said no only because he got sick in a
1: in a in a ferrari ride with uh, oh, is george that, lucas fun fact is that right he had like a migraine and he was going to throw up and he's like yeah
0: i can't i can't do this movie yeah uh what universe would you rather live in where he's doing studio projects or his own weird art stuff i i can't pass up a universe
1: where uh um I, or i can't pass up the universe where um blue velvet exists yeah so it's Blue Velvet And that means it's Art David Lynch now I agree
0: too Yeah I agree But I will say One of the reasons That I love Lynch is And it. why I will always Trust him Going forward Is that He doesn't just do The weird art house stuff no. He can also do A straight story mm-hmm. That's that's the key And yep. Like anybody can do Experimental dreck Like anybody yep. can do That weird shit Where they just Point the camera In weird directions Anybody can be a Lars von Trier Yep Anybody can be who's the guy that did irreversible Gasper no oh Gasper no yeah literally anybody I could do that yes yeah you I could. can't do the elephant man and so David Lynch earned the right to do blue velvet and earned the right to do Mahalan Drive and earned the right to do uh what's that one he did with Laura Dern a few years ago inland Empire oh, God inland <laughs> I didn't see inland Empire <laughs> neither did I but he's earned the right to do that because he made a through and through great period piece oh, yeah.
1: studio picture. Mm-hmm. Right. And I agree. He's a versatile director in the purest form. Right. He can do it all. He can. Even tells though-
0: a great story, works with actors well.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I love the stories with him and his actors. It's so funny. Yeah. And how, like, like almost like fatherly he is to them and trying to help them through it. It's, it, yeah. Everyone loves him. And you wouldn't have thought that with him because usually directors that are as visual as he is don't get along with actors or at least actors have trouble adjusting to that because actors love dialogue-heavy scripts and uh, he's not really about that all the time. I mean, he is and he isn't. I mean, he's more. I wouldn't necessarily consider him a visual director. No, though. he's a visionary. He's a, yeah, he's a visionary. But and that's di- but visionary directors traditionally have harder times with actors. I don't
0: it, like think of him though as like oh my god. The great cinematographer, David Lynch. No, but it's David Lynch imagery. I I understand what you mean. But I I, I don't necessarily... He still puts ideas ahead of like a pretty landscape. Sure. You know what I mean? Like Alfonso Cuaron is a visual director. Yes. David Lynch is a visual director because he thinks of weird shit. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that he's necessarily obsessed with the camera and how it moves not necessarily but again he he is
1: interested in what he puts in front of the camera and that's what i'm talking about yeah he's interesting interested in the craftsmanship of the image you know that 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 wouldn't be evident if his films weren't the way that they are i mean even in the elephant man you know i mean that's i mean i love his his use of black and white photography i would love it if he did more of it honestly yeah and you see it especially in something like uh eraser head which is not uh particularly like i don't know it's not exactly complicated with its shots necessarily, but what he crafts in front of the camera is like any, nothing you've ever seen before. Well, that... You've never seen anything like this. That baby Razorhead. in particular. Holy shit. <laughs> and that I look at that as like, that's a David Lynch shot. I've seen other experimental films and, and things like... Uh, even things that Refn did in his early career which when he tried to be experimental and failed miserably. I was like, oh yeah, that's a Lynch shot. And it, it I mean, it doesn't work as well, but that's clearly uh, ripped straight out of a David Lynch film.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I could not agree more. I, and yes, you're right. Actors clearly love working with him. Mm-hmm. They go back time and time again. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern has worked with him yep. countless times, which, you know, <laughs> makes you think like, oh, sweet old Laura Dern from Jurassic Park, <laughs> you know, not really necessarily known as like a dark brooding actress in Hollywood. No, not at all. That enjoys independent edgy fare. <laughs> But the fact that she continues to go back to Lynch, I think, speaks tremendously to his ability to work with actors and, and develop relationships. He's a humanist. I really do think he—I consider True. him a humanist. Yeah, he loves people. Yeah. He loves them, and you can see it.
1: Like, Stanley Kubrick didn't like people. No. No, and you can see it with his characters, too. That's right. That's usually the case. Like, the, like because uh, at the heart of it all, even with as crazy as— uh, as uh, Lynch's films get, there's clearly that human touch and those human themes that are ever present, especially in something like Eraserhead. I don't want to keep going back to Eraserhead, but it's one of uh, his finest examples of that, where it's really just about you know trying to raise a family, right. Trying to raise a
0: kid, right? And how and how hard it is, how and horrifying, horrifying. Sure. it is, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's and and Blue Velvet, although it involves horrific scenes of rape, mm-hmm. is a love story it's yeah. like a lovers on the run story almost pretty much it's and it's erotic and it's weird and dark and dennis hopper is great in it um Damn. but it, it still it has the foundation of a great teen romance and okay, yeah and that's what lynch again that's why i respond to his work at times sometimes even more than kubrick even though i don't think he's a better I, filmmaker than kubrick <laughs> It's I funny you say that, though, because when
1: Kubrick saw Eraserhead, he thought uh, it was the best film he'd ever seen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But there, there is a humanism and there's a heart and soul to what Lynch does that Kubrick never really had. Um, no. So, Jesus, that's why I love this movie and I love all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Elevate Man is just an old school great story about a, a reject and mm-hmm. about a guy that learns to fall in love with this reject. Yeah.
1: Well, this is what I wanted to say about him is that uh, for all of his uh, experimental tendencies and the, I think the reason uh, he's able to pull all these uh, all these different kinds of movies together so well uh, is because he he understands genre very well. Sure, that too. Yeah. And like you were saying about the teen romance, he understands exactly what that genre is all about and how to kind of flip it. Yeah. He does it a lot with uh, Lost Highway as well. Have you seen Lost Highway? I Hi- haven't. <sighs> That's the other one I haven't seen. <laughs> That's a movie and a half. Uh <laughs> But yeah, it's it's like like again, it's it's a we 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 talk about this a lot where it's uh where sometimes you get filmmakers where uh they're trying out new things but you did, you're not necessarily sure if you want to listen to them or go on their ride because you're not necess- you don't really know if what they're doing means anything. But in something like a Lynch film, you you totally trust his intentions even if you don't necessarily get them. Right. Yep.
0: And you say that a lot about a lot of filmmakers and I, I, and I don't think that's ever been more true than with Lynch. He's maybe the best example of that. Yeah, certainly. And he's getting old now, and I do worry if he's ever going to do another movie. He did that third season of Twin Peaks, which was just like so laborious for a guy that's in his, I think, late 70s now. Yeah. He's getting really up there in age and did 18 hours straight of a TV show, and I I just don't see him doing something like that ever again, and that upsets me, because I do want... More. I do want to see him make another movie like The Elephant Man. Yeah. Almost as like a swan song. Yeah, sure. Um and I, I just want more of his work and I know like it's winding down uh as the years go by. Um you know. but just what a gift. Yes. David Lynch is just such a gift and we were so spoiled to have him in our lives and to still have him in our lives. I agree. So so fucking great. Um <laughs> we talk more about uh, David Lynch than the <laughs>
1: elephant man itself. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I I just love talking about Lynch. But I mean really. everything's great about the elephant man. It's another one of those films it's hard to really like dislike anything about it.
0: Yeah. Do you know who was responsible for getting this movie made? Who was Mel the main produ- Yes, Mel Brooks. Yeah. Which is very strange.
1: I was it because of Young Frankenstein? When did Young Frankenstein come out? Uh a few
0: years prior, I think. Does it have anything to do with it? No. I think he saw the play? Oh. Or something along those lines. But, but However, the movie is not based on the play. Okay. Which is was like a disclaimer at the end of the movie. There was a play that came out in 1977 also called The Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. They make this movie. It was not an adaptation. All right. The play sued the studio for use of the name, but they ultimately won the suit. And I think Mel saw the play... Uh, fought to get the funding for this movie, and then didn't put his name on the credits because he didn't want to mislead people into thinking it was a comedy. Ah, uh, that's actually smart. Yeah, so I, that's yeah. why the name Mel Brooks does not appear on any of the posters or any of the advertising for the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to track down, but he was, yes, a producer on the movie. All right. Um As I just said, although it's not based on the play, the play is sort of a iconic stage production. And many actors have done it. Many, including Phil Anglim... David Bowie, Mark Hamill, Bruce Davison, and most recently, Bradley Cooper. Yep. And what's so interesting about their production is that the play calls for no prosthetic makeup. Mm -hmm. So whoever's playing the Elephant Man has to convey all of the body movements through his own physicality. I would love to see the play. I would love to as well. Mm. And Bradley also says that when he watched this movie as a kid, it inspired him to be an actor. Yeah. No, I heard that too. So it's kind of cool that that's what ultimately that was a role that he got to play on the stage i don't think john hurt gets enough credit sometimes too really
1: oh i love john see hurt.
0: i feel like he gets too much credit
1: oh he's so <laughs> good in this movie i love him so fucking much in this film i think it's incredible work i think it's sort of like a rain man syndrome no i do you know, i think like do you have any do you have any idea how much you have to go through to, to to project a character or project the amount of emotion that john hurt has to do through all that makeup and through all th- all the, those things that
0: are weighing him down. It's a little bit of a crutch. No. It's a little bit. No, it's great. Anthony Hopkins is doing the heavy lifting here. Mm, I disagree. Oh, Hopkins is better in this movie than John Hurt is. I disagree
1: with that, yeah. Really? I don't think I don't think it's even close to the range of emotion. Because I think Anthony Hopkins is wonderful. But uh, I don't think he qu- has to go anywhere near... I don't think he has to go to the depths that John Hurt needs to, I anyway. just think
0: John Hurt sort of hides under his makeup and does the limp thing and does the weird elephant man voice and... Mm-hmm. It's it's cool. No, it's a good performance. I'm not saying it's not. It's just a little one-dimensional. It's no, sort of, what? It's, it's sort of like Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Uh, sort of, kind of. No. And Tom Cruise is the one doing the heavy lifting in that movie. That's right? di- well, that's different. I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that assertion. We can agree to disagree on that. Oh, it's so sad.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's so terrible.
0: And, and his line reading, by the way, the scene, I am not an animal, I'm a human being, yeah. is like just chilling. Yes. It's one of the most chilling I, scenes in all of cinema. It's just yeah. fantastic. You know what? Do you not think that
1: it's it's he's making it? E- is it just the makeup that he's wearing? Is that it? I don't think yeah, it is.
0: It's just sort of when you fall into that groove. <laughs> it's not that difficult to performance. That's all. I mean, when you're not emoting with your face. Do you not trust John Hurt, though? That like, underneath- No, it's not that I don't trust uh, him. I just don't think the level of difficulty is that high. I'm not saying he's not great. <laughs> mm,
1: it's I just d- level of difficulty. I still think for what he was doing was... I mean, could you imagine him without the makeup? Do you think it would be any different? Well, I don't know. That's... But, thats No, but he would have to
0: do more work if he was not underneath the makeup. I still I, think I, he's doing the work even underneath the makeup. Well, I, I, I don't know, Adam. We can't see it. You don't... The, the, we, can't, the, we can't see it. But this is what I'm talking about, just as an actor, like a, an actor like him, who's a very high-profile actor. I'm not actor. saying John Hurt's not a fabulous actor. He is a fabulous actor. I... I I just think this is not One of his most difficult roles And I don't think It's the most difficult role In the movie No I disagree Mm -mm. Hopkins at the beginning Of this movie When he feasts his eyes On the alpha man For the first time And that tear Just streams down his face and it's this look of horror, but also like wonder. Mm-hmm. Incredible stuff. I agree. Like I don't even I don't even see John Hurt's real face once in the movie. But is that is that what, what's holding you back? Though? Yeah, I'm, it's just level of difficulty. It's not excellence. Mm-hmm. John I, Hurt I, accomplished what he had to do, but it's not as hard a performance as. Hopkins. Well, see, that's the thing is that I don't believe that John Hurt isn't
1: doing the exact same thing underneath the makeup. Is what I'm saying
0: i uh, i don't know man i don't know (laughs) it's just it's is dustin hoffman not great in rain man of course he's great in rain man yes it's just tom cruise has more work mm -hmm. it's harder and that's why it's the better performance it's like a gymnastic routine you don't score it out of 10 you score it out of the difficulty level i would argue like let's say
1: let's say let's say we have uh we never have aladdin ever and then it comes out like like uh I don't know, in 2000, and it's a live-action version, and you still have the exact same genie performance from Robin Williams, but it's all animated, I would still probably say Robin Williams is the best
0: performance in that film. I... I, Okay, I get it. (laughs) It's a little different, though. Because the Aladdin performance was a lot of improv, it's a lot more loud and vocal and all over the place, and John Hurt just goes... I'm not an animal. The Lord is my shepherd. No, <laughs> you're selling that too short. Way too short. Well, I'm surprised we're having this argument. I thought you'd be on my side on this. I <laughs> oh. love John Hurt in this movie. <laughs> no, I, you I, don't. Yes, I you do. You don't love John Hurt. <laughs> By the way, this movie was incredibly accurate. Yes. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. The only thing they changed was his name. Ironically. Yeah, his real name's Joseph. Merrick. His real name is Joseph Merrick. Mm-hmm. This is all how it went. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a sideshow performer. I believe the incident where his old owner kidnaps him. I don't know if it exactly went that way, but it, that certainly was an element. Mm-hmm. His, the real doctor was Dr. Frederick Treves yep. that took care of him at that hospital. So yep. that Anthony Hopkins character is a real character. And uh, his cause of death laying down yep. on the bed is also how he died in real life at around age 28 and we do think
1: that uh he, that he actually did it to himself as well. That's the theory anyway. Sure. Some people were like, yeah, "maybe he fell uh, uh fell over trying to stand up," but, you know. I admit it's it's a good question
0: though. Such a beautiful final shot, Okay. Oh, well, the movie keeps it ambiguous, which I like, too. Yes, I know. Yeah. It it sort of poses it as a choice, but not really. And it's also beautiful and touching and my god, I love this movie so much. Yeah, I love it, too. Um wonderful film. One more thing I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. the uh, Apparently, the guy in real life did not have any deformities until the age of five. He was born totally healthy. And then at age five, all these things started growing off uh, of his bones. Poor,
1: oh, that's... And so
0: they attribute it to the time when his mother was attacked by an elephant. But yeah, the, that disease did not start rearing its head until well after birth. That's terrible. Isn't that crazy? Uh, all right. Let's put Elephant Man to the side. I think though we can both agree it's not going to be the choice either. Even though we talked about it so glowingly, it's a problem with this year. Yeah,
1: certain films. There, there. There's a couple films here that it's like they're just that good.
0: Do you want to keep it on the list? For now, okay. For now, Airplane. Yeah. Airplane. It's one of now, exclamation <laughs> point.
1: And here's my my feelings on Airplane. It's like like number ten for comedies for me. I fucking love Airplane. Although after watching Top Secret.
0: I don't know. Wow. I've never seen Top Secret. Top Secret's fucking funny as... Oh, God. I don't know if I could name nine better comedies, though. I think it might be higher on the list for me. <sighs> It'd be tough. Mont, uh, Bo- Meaning
1: of Life uh, and uh, uh, Holy Grail are a little bit higher for me. But this... Yeah, this is it. Some Like It Hot. And I like this more Doctor than Some
0: Strange Dr. Like-
1: Strangelove. Different. Tootsie. Different many this yeah this is this is what i say i was actually actually having this conversation with a friend last night i was like this is an example of good stupid yeah this movie is fucking stupid as
0: hell but it's smart stupid written and directed <laughs> by jim abrams david zucker and jerry zucker the team abrams zucker zucker mm-hmm. went on to make as you said top secret and the na- the naked gun movies based off of a uh, police squad which nobody knows about The TV show. Yeah. I know about it. Okay. Lasted one season, right? Had like six episodes. Yeah. Have you seen the epilogues for that? No. God, it's so fucking funny. It's so funny. They also did the movie Kentucky Fried Movie in 1977. They wrote it. They didn't direct it, though. Okay. Which I'd never seen. I I still haven't seen it either. Okay. Okay. Movie stars Peter Graves, Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar, Leslie Nielsen, Lloyd Bridges, Robert Stack, Julie Haggerty, and Robert Hayes. Mm Mm-hmm. On a modest $3.5 million budget, the movie grossed $130 million. Wow. Man. The old days of movie making were really nice, huh? I wish (laughs) I could have that. That's so easy. (laughs) Hollywood was rolling in the dough (laughs) pre-Netflix. For a movie like this, too. (laughs) It's just like, what? Yeah. It's great, though. Um... AFI, quite glowing about this movie. Wow, funny you should say it, Adam. Yeah. AFI named it their number 10 comedy of all time. Ooh, there we go. Exactly where you want it. Mm -hmm. And the quote, I am serious and don't call me Shirley, was number 79 on the 100 best movie quotes of all time. Here's what I would say about the legacy of Airplane. Although I love this movie. Legacy is problematic. I am not happy about what this movie created. Mm -hmm. And I think... That's the problem. It, uh, it set off a domino effect in Hollywood that led to one of my most hated subgenres of movies. The spoof movie. Which Yeah, which is the spoof movie. This is responsible for basically all of the Fairley Brothers movies. Dumb and Dumber 2, Something About Mary. Uh, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber 2. The original Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I was going to say, what? Yeah. Shallow Hal. That whole and the recently made <laughs> the Oscar-winning Green Book, uh, <laughs> strangely, all I think have some sort of lineage to Airplane. Yes, I would also include the scary movie franchise, along with those other terrible spoof movies like Epic Movie, Date <laughs> Movie, Disaster Movie, etc. Yes, I not agree. another teen movie. Mm-hmm. Vampires suck. Yep. If you didn't have Airplane, you don't have those, which is problematic. Yeah. I would say for sure it's problematic. The fact that they exist at all. Yeah. It's just a shame because this movie is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I remember watching this for the first time in high school. Oh, my God. I, I think it was my senior year, and I was hanging out with some friends. Mm-hmm. And we sat down. I think there were like four or five of us, and it was the hardest the four or five of us had laughed that entire year. <laughs> Was like one of the highlights of my senior year. It was incredible. Yeah, I think I, it's funny you say that. I think I actually saw it senior year of high school too. Yeah, first time.
1: I adore everything about this movie. This is another. Ah, damn it. We have we have another movie like this, but there's not a like. You know, with comedies, it's interesting because you you'll you'll come out of them and you'll say like, yeah, that movie was really funny or that movie wasn't funny. It's very very rare that I come out of a movie I'm like I was literally laughing the entire time. It's wall to wall. I was literally laughing the entire movie.
0: And it's one of those movies <laughs> that's so funny. If you laugh too much, which you always do, you're going to miss another joke. Yep. <laughs> because it's just rapid fire. <laughs> so there will be times where I flip on this movie on cable mm-hmm. and I notice a joke I hadn't noticed before, yep. which is incredible when you can discover a new joke in a comedy for the third or
1: fourth viewing. Yep. It's awesome. awesome. It's, it, it, all, all of their films are kind of like that, too, whether it's uh, top, uh, top Secret or the Naked Gun films. And I love the Naked Gun films as well by the way. You got to
0: see Top Secret though. Okay. Fucking hell, Top Secret is funny as Oh god. It's great. Okay. Um I will say this and what do you think of this thought? Yeah. I feel like Family Guy and South Park are also in this lineage. Family
1: Guy is cuz Family Guy cites this movie like all the time. Like they rip it off, you know? Uh South Park is in Monty Pythons. Uh, lineage, though. Okay. Because they directly... They, they've they said that they uh, pretty much started their careers because of Monty Python. Okay.
0: so I don't feel like, though, we have this brand of adult cartoon if, if Airplane was not allowed to be that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's fair. It, it's almost like they broke the barrier, and they, and they sort of paved the way for all movies to come afterwards. Mm-hmm. Once Airplane got the critical acclaim, it's like everybody was like, oh, okay, it's all right not to have some sort of higher meaning it's a right not to be so profound it's just raw pure funny like a lot of people credit mel brooks for inventing this brand of comedy which he did and although it's similar to mel brooks it's not this movie is not as like heady as mel brooks it's not as smart Mm. it's not as it's honestly not as human if
1: if, yeah it's hard to explain like that sounds like a big criticism but Th- those movies are are like you said very very, very sweet and genuine, and they're 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 going for they're, honestly they're kind of trying to tell you something, yeah, whereas uh
0: airplane is like no, it's just a giant comedy act, right, and that's it. The primary objective is to make you laugh and if we're not making it's, you laugh, we're not doing our jobs right. it's it,
1: uh, here's a good uh,
0: analogy. It is the popcorn film of comedies. does that make sense? yeah, sort yeah. of I understand what that means, yeah. yeah, so like I feel like we wouldn't have necessarily the simpsons or family guy or south park if that barrier was not broken mm-hmm. and specifically in family guy's case the sort of side bits that and the side jags that family guy goes on yeah. you know the constant interstitials within the episode are directly from airplane oh god yeah you know uh so that is i think one of the good side effects although there were some some bad ones yeah as far as like the legacy
1: of this film it's an, it's a incredible mixed bag actually right in that way and it, you can kind of see that with with the type of film that it is but again i don't want i want to try to view this film in in more of a
0: bubble in that way right just because I, I just love this movie so much right yeah and also by the way when we are talking about this in terms of the movie hall of fame mm-hmm. that might play a factor yeah i know because although it's one of the great comedies of all time legacy is a little different sure and the yeah. impact too we're, we're judging this legacy impact and quality and although it has quality I'm not sure the impact is for the better. It's although like, it did have impact. as is, is the thing. At least it has impact. It has legacy. Right. But for the better or for the worse yes, is the question. That's the question. Did you know they made an airplane too? Yeah, I did. I didn't see it though. None of the original writers were involved. Oh boy. Involves outer space. <laughs> okay. And like Santa Claus. Why is this a thing? Maybe. Mm. Maybe one day. Mm. Mm. Favorite bit from airplane. Gun <laughs> to your head. What is it? If I'm being totally honest,
1: it's not any spoken joke. It's um when they, they go to pick up the the, the kind of head flight guy who's gonna try to coach them down carefully. Yeah. And they get into the car and then there's the the, the green screen in the background and they're just kind of driving. It just gets more and more ridiculous. They're going like a hundred miles an hour or there's horses behind them or they're underwater. <laughs> I, cause I, I saw, that, I, I guess I'm judging, you know, based off of what made me like fall off my chair. And that I think literally made me fall
0: off my chair cause it was too good. Mm. Too clever. I think Joey, have you ever seen a grown man? Make it? <laughs> I think that's mine. And then it sort of ratchets up. Ever been in a gymnasium? <laughs> do you like gladiator movies <laughs> ever been to a turkish prison turkish prison <laughs> i kind of like the turkish prison the most yeah that's the best one of course that's the final joke
1: i do like um what's his name god um oh the the, the gay guy who's in the um uh the god he he, he works in the airport and he's doing yeah. a lot of ridiculous yeah yeah things. yeah yeah, 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 yeah. His, he's probably my favorite character in the entire movie
0: so he's the one that is uh He's like, is he he's drawing something and he shows yeah. somebody a drawing? Yeah, it's like, there's a sale at Pennies. Right, right. That right, guy. Right. Okay. It could be a hat or a pterodactyl or a brooch. Or oh, brooch. Or bro- oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what does it look like, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, the airplane? No, it's no, but que- that's yeah. what's the, yeah, what the question? Like this? What does this look like? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Just Uh, kidding. Love the guy, of course, in the airport that goes, picked the wrong week to quit smoking. (laughs) Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. (laughs) Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit methamphetamines. (laughs) Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. (laughs) What a great running gag. That's good shit. Um, Also love when Robert Hayes is talking to all the people next to him and they commit suicide one by oh, one. Oh, God, it's so funny. What a great visual joke. And how they pan away from it, it's just a great bit of visual filmmaking. But,
1: and then how they stack up on top of each other where it goes from the woman hanging herself to the guy uh, uh, cutting his guts open. Sepuku. And then the other guy who's just like... Right. Like Dousing bl- <laughs> himself in gasoline. <laughs> gasoline. on a plane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ready to light the match. And then he blows up <laughs> for no reason. It's great. Um... Love the Leslie Nielsen intro where they go are you a doctor and he just has the stethoscope around his neck and goes <laughs> that's right as if he's ready to go immediately which like I always thought that was sort of funny because you hear that all the time is anybody here a doctor mm-hmm. it's like what are they going to do like yeah, they exactly. don't have their equipment with them except in this case they do I I have been uh... But this movie's clever
1: because uh, again something that the Zuckers do very well is that they understand filmmaking tropes and filmmaking right. techniques and they know how to use them to make uh, l- literally make the film itself funnier. Right. Yeah, again just like I said before playing on that green screen effect. They know how to make fun of that or the the gag later on where he's like I just want to tell you all good luck. We're all counting on you. Yeah. Which again just ratchets up to
0: 11 and it's the funniest freaking thing ever. Or when they're having sex on the beach. Yep. Exactly. Which is that old trope of mm-hmm. romance. And then the seaweed washes over them and it's disgusting. It's so funny. It just thinks of things that you would never think of. And that's the sign of a great comedy. Well, this is built
1: like Bill Burr says, uh, like, I, it, the, the best jokes to me are the ones where I don't even know the starting point. Oh, know? wow. Like, I don't even know how you even get to that, where, where you even begin. And that's oh, what's yeah. brilliant about it. Right. And I was like, yeah. That's Airplane. That's so true.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't trace back the lineage of the joke. It's just like, how do you come up with this? Yeah. Oh, I love I love the way he put that. Mm-hmm. Phil Burr, our modern-day philosopher. It's <laughs> just great. <right. laughs> what a weird philosopher. Uh, Kareem's also very funny in this movie, too, and I just love that he's in it mm-hmm. and that he's a part of film history. Yeah, I agree. It's good <laughs> stuff. Uh, airplane, I'm going to keep on the list for now. Sure. And we're going to talk about it. Can we do a quick break? Because I need to... Uh, I need to pee. Sure, let's take a break. When we come back, the back half of the class of 1980. Okay, next. The shinning. The shitting. The shinning. You have the shitting. (laughs) Are you quoting The Simpsons? Yeah, of course. Okay. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Mm -hmm. A name that I feel like is going to come up a lot on this podcast. Stanley Kubrick's the worst director ever. Stanley Kubrick. It's so funny. We talked about him last week, talking about him <gasps> yeah, this week. Yeah, that's right. We, oh, God. You're right. We and, totally and did. And spoiler alert, we'll be talking about him in two weeks. So yeah, that's right. It never ends. Oh, no, Jesus. Oh, no. That crazy man. Stanley. This movie is written by Stanley as well as Diane Johnson. Stars Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Scatman Crothers, and oh, Danny Lloyd. That's right. Nineteen million dollar budget grossed forty four point <laughs> four million dollars. Nominated for no Oscars, <laughs> but two Razzies. Really? Two? Ra- you want to guess what they were for? Shelley Duvall's
1: performance. Best, yeah, worst actress. Yep. Oh, God. Screenplay? Nope. No. Jack Nicholson? Nope. They, they wouldn't have done that. Nope. Worst picture? Nope. Scatman Crothers? Nope. Uh, Danny Lloyd? Nope. Uh, The fucking cinematography? Nope. The sound? Nope. The design? You don't want to
0: say it, but it's true. Editing? Nope. Directing? Yeah. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Stanley Kubrick, nominated for worst director at the Razzies. What? (laughs) For The Shining. Oh my God. It's one of, I think, the worst in the moment calls In the history of cinema. What? This movie was considered a flop in 1980. It was bad. It was panned by critics. Roger Ebert had nothing nice to say about it. Gene Siskel as well. Pauline Kael described the movie in a review as, quote, Though we may admire the effects. We're never drawn in by them. Mesmerized. When we see a flash of bloody cadavers or observe a torrent of blood pouring from an elevator, we're not frightened. Because Kubrick's absorption in film technology distances us. Nobody liked this movie. Steven
1: Spielberg didn't even like it initially. Stephen King didn't like it! Yeah, no shit.
0: Stephen King! (laughs) This is the only Stephen King adaptation that the author does not sign off on. He does not like this adaptation. Because it has nothing to do with his book. (laughs) Yeah, Stanley will do that to you. Stanley will do that to your source material. Yeah. He will butcher it like the twins were butchered in the (laughs) Overlook Hotel. (laughs) Yeah. However, in recent memory, somewhere around 1987 to 1988, Uh there was a bit of retrospection. Uh And people started saying, hey, wait a minute. Let's take another look at The Shining. Uh And that leads AFI to name it the 29th best uh, thrill I guess, 100 years, 100 thrills list of the most thrilling movies. It was named number 29 to that list. Jack Torrance is the 25th greatest villain on AFI's list. Yeah. And the quote, here's Johnny, number 68 on the all-time great movie quotes. Yeah. Here's my take. And I'm going to be straight with you, Adam Hall. Yeah, I know. I know what he's going to say, guys. I'm going to be straight with you. Go ahead. So one of Stanley's objectives in life was to master every genre. (laughs) That was one of his stated missions, and we can argue about whether or not he did it, but he set out to make the best war movie of all time in either Full Metal Jacket or Paths of Glory, set out to make the all-time best sci-fi movie in Clockwork Orange or 2001, Mm -hmm. set out to make the all-time best comedy in Dr. Strangelove, and I think all of those movies are in the conversation for best. Yes. Regardless of, of your particular opinion. I believe the horror genre is the only genre that Stanley truly mastered. I think this is the best horror movie of all time. Okay. <laughs>
1: don't look at me like that. I mean, I disagree. But don't that's, give me those daggers. That's fine.
0: I don't think there's another movie besides maybe Psycho. It's the most interesting
1: horror film ever made by a mile. Okay. It's not. It's not the best. Uh, purely on the basis that of, I just don't think it's anywhere close to being the scariest.
0: Effectively I don't, scary. I don't,
1: I don't think that's the end all be all. Sure, but when you're talking about horror, it's nice if your film's a little scarier. Oh, it's scary. Yeah, it's oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. This movie fucked me. This movie is it's freaky as fuck, but more in a psychological
0: way. Yeah. Certainly. Well, and same it, with psycho, right? Like Psycho. sure. But I again those are the two for me. And I don't think anything... I mean, The Exorcist, I don't even think gets there. Because
1: mm, I put The Exorcist above both Psycho and uh, and um, uh, Shining. Okay. But if we're talking like just on a... But I would say that Shining could be a better film than, say, The Exorcist or... Right, uh, which I think Psycho. it is. I don't know necessarily if it's the best, like, horror film, though. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Alien to me is, is significantly more well, effective. You would say that. It just is. And that film also has some pretty interesting things to say as well. And again, craftsmanship alone, again, if we're, if we're stacking them all up, like all those films I just listed are, are pretty sublime in that category. But then I would also argue Jaws, you know,
0: that's another one. And trying to, um, um, well, I guess you're right. Jaws is a better movie than The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but you are, I wouldn't say part of the minority, but you're, you know, you're in the camp that says Jaws is a horror movie. Yeah. And not everybody agrees with you. Yeah, that's a little. That's a contention. That's a. That's an argument.
1: Sure. <laughs> that, that's a long argument. But yeah, no, I don't know if I go uh, uh, greatest horror film necessarily. Okay. There's something about it that doesn't speak to me as the
0: greatest horror film. Just because it's not as scary.
1: Nah, there's something about its atmosphere and something about like what actually happens in the film that it 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 works better as uh, as a more psychological trip than anything else. Okay. Honestly, and uh. I, maybe them, thematically, it's not nearly as scary for me, I guess.
0: Thematically? Sure. Sure. Okay.
1: Like, 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 like the, the past with uh, uh, Jack Torrance and, and what his character represents throughout the grander scheme of the story. And in, 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 I don't know. It doesn't always do it for me in that way. I mean, I he's guess. an
0: abusive husband. Sure. I mean, that's what the movie always meant to me. And obviously, there's this documentary called Room 237, which have you seen it? Yeah, but fuck that movie. N- uh, oh, yeah. you don't like it? No. Movie movie's stupid. I don't love it either, but I do admire, again, what that movie represents. And, and what it says about The Shining. It speaks to how rich that text is. Yes, I agree. Although most of those theories are kind of batshit. Oh, yeah. There is some interesting stuff in there, and, and it, it is more a love letter to The Shining than it necessarily is an accurate explanation of The Shining. I agree. You know? Yeah. So, if you are interested in movies, and if you're interested in The Shining, I would check that out. Yeah. Um... It's
1: inter- and that's the thing. I'm the, it's interesting as just a film experience and and trying to analyze what's really going on. To me that it in a way like that's sort of what drew people to it more but that kind of takes away the the horror elements of it in a lot of ways for uh-huh. me. And um like I said it just it works better as as like a as like a like a like a thought piece than than a horror experience. If okay. That makes any sense? It kind of does. Okay.
0: But i think i disagree <laughs> really <laughs> yeah just because i think it's a movie about a father that runs through a giant mansion and tries killing his wife and son with an axe yeah it's scary and i would call that uh, no i horror. Don't. yes I, know, would, I, I would i as- would i'm not
1: saying it's not a horror film no i, I and i'm not saying it's not a f- an effective horror film because it absolutely no, is. you're saying it doesn't feel like one no well, no I'm, I'm talking about it relative to the other films that i that i listed like, honestly, like, Halloween feels more horror to me than even The Shining. More traditional horror, yeah. but I still The Shining's better than Halloween, but if we're going based off of, like, what gives me the... the,
0: the I don't know. Because yeah. it follows the tropes? Is that why? Well, Halloween sets up tropes, though. That's different. Yeah, no, I, that's what I mean, though. And yes. The Shining doesn't really set up or follow any trope. Yeah. The yes. Shining is its own experience. I agree. So, but is that, is that why you say that it doesn't feel like a pure horror film?
1: I don't, no, no, I, I just think, I do think it's a pure horror film okay i will say that it's a pure horror film i'm just like again i'm just stacking it next to other films okay if you want my honest opinion the best horror film ever made is the texas chainsaw massacre
0: wow
1: yeah was not expecting that yeah what a take it's not my favorite i still love alien more i still
0: texas like chainsaw <laughs> best horror movie ever
1: yeah because if we're if we're going based off of our category here i guess that's kind of why i'm saying it is because that's Possibly the most influential horror film ever made. Wow. If not the most influential. Yeah, but, it, but Psycho was more influential than Texas Chainsaw. Not, nah, it, it, Psycho, basically, it, it was more influential for like, Hollywood in, in, in a lot of ways. And
0: yeah, you, you could say that. It's the most iconic yeah. by a mile. I the, agree. The The shower sequence is perhaps the one of the five most iconic scenes in all of filmmaking. It's not the movie that made people want to make movies, though. I don't know if that's
1: necessarily the case. Texas Chainsaw just, like, birthed filmmakers everywhere who just wanted to get
0: involved with horror and model it after that. I just think we have a weird relationship to Hitchcock. And I think, like, filmmakers have a... I'd like to dig into that when we do a Hitchcock movie, which we'll do at some point. I agree. Maybe we should do that soon, because I want to... I don't think we've ever had a Hitchcock conversation. Okay. And I... I think there's a reason why, and I'd like to figure out exactly what that reason is. I like Hitchcock. You're you're sort of mixed on him. I'm a bit ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Tarantino doesn't like Hitchcock. He actually hates Hitchcock.
1: No, I agree. And or, I, I, not I agree.
0: I know yeah, that. I know yeah. That. So, and I think Tarantino is pretty indicative of most film tastes in terms of Hollywood directors. Yeah. So I think like he's he's a pretty good guide. The fact that Tarantino doesn't like Hitchcock. I think says a lot. And but I'd he, like to figure out exactly why that is. Yeah, but the pro, it's kind of weird because he likes
1: Brian De Palma. Right, who's basically Hitchcock. He is Hitchcock. It's like yeah. literally Hitchcock. So it's... But I, I've heard his reasoning, but then I'm like, well, why don't you like Hitchcock then? is essentially... Because even after he's explained himself, it's like, yeah, but by that logic, you, you should still at least like
0: some of what Hitchcock's done. There so is, there's there's a weird admiration that people have for Hitchcock, and there's not necessarily a love that they have I don't know if movies. that's, I don't know if that's true. I don't know, who's like, like passionate con- about Psycho? Like contempt. I love Psycho. I do too. They fucking but, love Psycho. No, I do too, but how often do you even say that? I don't know. Who's passionate about Vertigo? Again, Vertigo's a great film, but. Oh, I, I mean, plenty of filmmakers are passionate about Vertigo. It's like video. going to a museum and being like, that's a beautiful Monet. Yep. But like, that Monet is not hanging up in my living room. No. I'm not as passionate about it as much as I can admire it from afar. Every once in a while, though, and I agree with that, like, it seems like, like, it's
1: in the realm of, like, uh, I don't know, like, like people who have a lot of love and admiration for Hitchcock, it tends to be just, like, filmmakers. Right. I mean, Damien Chazelle loves Hitchcock, uh, uh, Brian De Palma obviously loves Hitchcock, and then you get the the Spielbergs and um uh, David Fincher, Martin Scorsese and um one of the more notable ones is actually François Truffaut okay. who did a very long interview with Hitchcock about his process and everyone thought Truffaut was crazy because it's like it's this guy who makes these kind of like low grade lowbrow films and then Truffaut's like no there's something much more to his craft and then he did this interview and basically opened up how brilliant
0: Hitchcock actually is mm. and then everyone started listening to him so yeah, let's talk about that when Vertigo was nominated okay. at some point and Psycho. Um, anyway, no, I think Shining is the best horror movie of all time, and we can disagree. That's fine. And I'm not a horror fan, so I'm certainly not the authority. It's not a bad pick though, at yeah. all, yeah. at all, at all. It's certainly my favorite horror film. Yeah, I think I can say that.
1: I don't for I, certain. Yeah, I have no. I have no reason to. It's again not my favorite horror film. If, if for me, it's either Jaws or um, or, or Alien, obviously. But I, yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'd be like, good,
0: good. Pick. Um, I'm putting it to the side. Yeah, do it. We'll come back to it. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Otherwise known as Star Wars Episode 5, colon, The Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Yep. Directed by Irvin Kershner. The director of Robocop 2. I was waiting for you to say that. (laughs) Damn it. I was perusing the IMDb page. You (sighs) motherfucker. And I was like, yo, Irvin Kershner didn't do jack shit after Empire, except Mm. for Robocop 2. Adam's totally going to bring that up. I knew it. Written by Leigh Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan, who has done a lot of great work, including Solo A Star Wars Story. (laughs) My God, Ron Howard just butchered that script. Yeah. It's a good script. Grossed, get this, $538.4 million off of a $18 million budget. Bam. And get this, George Lucas hates it. It's his least favorite. Well, I, didn't, I wasn't going to say that, but he put up all the money himself. What? He, oh, wow. He financed them. He did not go to a studio, did not want the man involved, oh. got a bank loan, took the profits from the other movie, made this himself, and that is part of the reason why he's one of the richest people in Hollywood. He's very, very fucking rich. Wow. You say George Lucas doesn't like it. It's his, I think it's his least favorite of, uh, of all the films. That's fucking crazy because
1: it's the best yes. of all the films.
0: Yes. Right. Correct. Yes. This movie is Counterpoint, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like there's no
1: there's no point even arguing because it's just an objective truth. This movie yeah, this is one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. I f- I adore pretty much everything about this film. And yeah, it's uh oh my god. This is where it starts to get difficult for me. Because, Jesus Christ, this movie is so important for me, personally.
0: So, I grew up loving Star Wars, like you, Mm -hmm. and like most other boys of a certain age. Yeah. And um, I look back on it, and I think, what was it about Star Wars that I loved so much? Mm -hmm. And although I thought it was the characters, and although I thought it was Obi-Wan and the lightsaber battles and what I realized is that everything I love about Star Wars was in episode five and everything else were just sort of like DVD extras. Yes. You know, like everything else were just sort of the icing on top. Mm -hmm. I sort of like Jedi. I kind of like a new hope. (laughs) I hate the prequels, but it's all just sort of background noise to the main event with Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, it it pretty much gives Star Wars all of its credibility. Yeah. It's, and And I think the culture also interacts with Star Wars in the same way. Yep. Although, like, you know, AFI, for example, puts the original Star Wars as, I think, the 14th best movie of all time. And they don't put Empire on the list. And I think their love of that movie is because of Empire, and I don't think we even realize it yes you know um but like i don't i uh, there are times when i feel like people don't
1: understand how good this movie actually is yeah like if you st- sit back and like study it it's amazing it's incredible filmmaking and it's such a, it, it, oh my god putting it next to a new hope just how much of a step
0: up it actually is in right. that category it's really actually striking nothing wrong with new hope by the way no new hope is wonderful. new hope's an awesome movie yeah with some great imagery but it doesn't have the battle of hoth doesn't have the battle of hoth doesn't have that lightsaber fight doesn't the have... lightsaber fight is the best one in the whole yep. franchise I
1: think, yeah. Everything about it, too. From the way it's shot, from the way it's lit, the atmosphere, the, the emotional the battle. The ending. The end, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, right. We'll get to that. I cannot imagine
0: being in the theater. Oh, my God. To go back in time. would be awesome. Wouldn't that be so awesome? You know, if I had a time machine, forget about killing Hitler and everything. Let's just go back to 1977, watch the original, and then wait a few years and see Empire live without knowing the ending. I want to see the ending of that.
1: I want to see the ending of Sixth Sense with a bunch of people for the first time ever. And I want to see the chestburster
0: scene in Alien with an audience for the first time ever. Right. Not knowing what's coming. Oh, my God. it's I it's, it's one of those, like, things. And it's so... Uh, we don't have movies like that anymore. No. We don't go to movies as cultural events anymore. Unless it's, like, the end of Infinity War. Yeah, I agree. Is that, like, the closest thing we have now? But I... It's like, even
1: that, I sort of had an idea that that would happen... You know, right. it wasn't nearly as like shocking as this. I didn't as this care film. as much too. No, as the other thing. no, I didn't care. I wasn't as emotionally invested. Because you're
0: you're too smart. You know that that's not the end. Right. Yeah. This was like, "I am your father." Opens up a whole world of possibilities. And here's the thing: you're like, where the
1: fuck is this gonna go? And it reshapes the other films. Right. It completely changes your perspective on A New Hope.
0: Right. After that point, you know, I can imagine if I had the VHS back then or whatever the hell people watch movies <laughs> on in nineteen seventy <1970, laughs> in nineteen eighty. Yeah. I can imagine running home and watching that first one again yeah. after seeing that second movie and, like, analyzing every scene. Oh, shit. Obi-Wan said that Darth Vader killed my father, mm-hmm. but it actually had a double entendre. And, oh, that fight scene now with Obi-Wan at the end is is uh, takes on a whole new meaning. And the relationship between Obi-Wan and Luke. And you're right. I'm not even sure they had it planned. I think George says that he did have it planned. But... Regardless, it's it's just perfect, man. It's just that's Hollywood, that's cinema, that's what it's all about, right there. Yep, I agree. It's just pop culture. Yep, I love you. I know. Mm-hmm. That's an Empire Yoda in Yoda.
1: Empire, and then the Imperial March. Yes. Yeah! The first
0: the first ever yes! use of that music. Probably the most iconic bit of score. Yep. It. Ugh, it's the best one by a mile. I agree.
1: Now let's talk about legacy. For, yes. a, for a second. Let's. Talk to me. Maybe, for me, more of a mixed bag than uh, airplane in a lot of ways. Why? Uh, I mean, and we're talking about the, the things that came out of this film and, the, I guess, the way people take in movies. I, I mean, there's a lot of things that I love about it. I love people's excitement and hype around it. Uh, I, I love how quotable this movie was and how, how, how much people fawned over it. I don't necessarily like uh the business model that this movie kind of you know started to you know perpetuate more and i don't like the you fan cl- mean,
0: you mean franchise syndrome
1: yeah i don't and i don't like the fan culture that this one generated well
0: that's a controversial statement to make on the internet yeah <laughs> oh fuck you guys take that nerds yeah i don't give a shit okay well y- by the way it's a culture that we sometimes we dabble do. in yes i, I dip my toe in those waters every now and again I, I often don't like how the water feels, but I I, I check it out every now and then. We're again. not assholes. We're not shitting in it. <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just realizing, ah, oh, it's a little too chilly for me. Yeah. I'm going to go put my clothes on and go swimming another day. I don't like these people who are pissing in the pool. But, bro, you and I are in line I know. night one. Every movie. Yeah. Every movie. We're there. Not every I movie. I went to Rogue One on opening night. I didn't do that, but... So listen, I am equally to blame. This movie's my childhood. I'll own that. Yeah. There's nothing worse than like the self-loathing fan. I'm not like yep. a self-loathing no, fan. No. I just think like you guys don't speak for
1: the rest of us. Exactly. I, I I like to have a more objective view. I like to I like to say that I'm 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 a little more level-headed than some of the fans. Certainly the ones who saw the Last Jedi. So. Oh God, fuck those people. I can't. It, it, they will no. They're gonna come after us, Nico. Dude, We're, fuck them. Bring them on, bro. They're going to come after us. Bring they're literally going to jump out of the microphone right now and fucking kill us. Come at me, bro.
0: <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. Last Jedi rocks. Third best Star Wars movie of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Number three.
0: All right. I understand what you're
1: saying, though. Yeah. I get it. There's some criticisms to be had, in my opinion. It's not all perfect. It just isn't. But... I mean, this. Yeah, God can't go. It really can't go unspoken as to how fucking perfect and brilliant this movie is, and how special
0: it really is. All right, ready? Yeah. The final nominee. Mm Mm-hmm. Raging Bull. Yeah. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Written by Mad Mardik Martin. Hmm. Mardik Martin wrote the initial draft, and then Paul Schrader came in. To close it out, came in in relief, out That's... the bullpen, finished the Raging Bull screenplay. Mm-hmm. By the way, added the character of Joey. Really? Joey that... was not in the initial draft. It's his brother, though. And Paul Schrader came in and added the character of his brother. Wow. Good. <laughs> Nominated for eight Oscars that year, as we said, won two of them for Best Actor and Best Editing. Yep. We talked about how he was robbed for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. In terms of those five nominees. Gross $23.4 million on an $18 million budget. And the American Film Institute, Adam Hall. Very glowing about Raging Bull. As they should be. Number one sports movie of all time. I agree. Six places ahead of Caddyshack. (laughs) Yeah. 51 on the 100 Years 100 Thrills list. Which, whatever. And uh, the number... Actually, let me me have you guess. Where is it on the all-time list? Best films of all time? All-time list. Where do you think it ranks? Eight. Number four. <laughs> behind only Casablanca, The Godfather, and Citizen Kane. And I could kind of get behind that. They put Raging Bull at number four. Fine. Um, Here's my question. Mm-hmm. Because I agree it's the best sports movie of all time. There's no even point in debating it. If you consider it a sports movie, it's there. Yes, and that's another debate. I mean, but whatever. But if, if you want to put it in that category... Rocky is not even close. Um, Is this Scorsese's best movie? Uh, It's not my favorite Scorsese film. Nor is it mine. (laughs) Gun to your head, is it the best? Yeah. Okay. Is it De Niro's best performance? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure if I agree. With either of those? I'm not sure if I agree. It's not Goodfellas. I'm sorry, Nick. I like Taxi Driver better. I so As do I. And, and uh, Goodfellas is better directed. I don't know if it's a better uh, movie, but it's better directed.
1: It's close, man. I don't know. The very, again, this is where we get into the different kinds of films.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just it's, taste. Yeah. it's. I'm only speaking on pure taste. Yep. It's the one I feel least strongly about of those three and this
1: is the one i feel stronger than i i for me i don't even consider goodfellas okay i don't even it's not even a thought it's it's always between taxi driver and raging bull now
0: that being said yeah uh that's pretty damn good if raging bull is the third best movie that a director made if it's if, <laughs> if that is that what i'm putting number three uh there's nothing more to say about martin scorsese that is the best cinematic run. The the, the the three, in terms of like your top three best movies, that's the best top three. Yeah. I don't think anybody is close. Mm-hmm. Hitchcock's not close. Kubrick's not close. If you just eliminate all the other movies and you leave somebody with the top three, Honestly, Scorsese's number one. Spielberg's pretty close. He is, but J- Scorsese's higher. I, uh, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and
1: Schindler's List, it's... F- pretty good it's a pretty good list it's pretty fucking good it's <laughs> pretty fucking good
0: <laughs> it's a little higher is a little higher uh, a little higher Ooh, uh, another good list i don't know another that's, good debate we should do that's close but no. wait, 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 later okay <laughs> later yeah you're right um best performance probably mm-hmm yeah probably yeah it is Travis Bickle, maybe. Yeah, no, but that's a contender. Yeah, I agree. Godfather 2, really good in that movie too. I think you're right though, this is the best performance. De Niro gained 60 pounds for this movie. Yeah, in the later scenes, yeah. I always thought it was the biggest weight gain. I thought it had the record for some reason. Turns out, no, he's second place. Do you know who number one was? Christian Bale Vincent D'Onofrio Ooh. in Full Metal Jacket gained 70 pounds for that movie oh wow yeah I didn't know he wasn't
1: fat before that oh that's right re- no actually he wasn't he was in a like what was he in that babysitter
0: movie where he played Thor kind of okay <laughs> I'm gonna gloss over that comment because okay. I have no idea what that sentence meant <laughs> <laughs> it's a great scene You should you should check it out of all of the movies on this list, Raging Bull is the only one being taught in film school for the most part. Yep. It is the only one on the syllabus when you're going through the great movies in American history. And that's it. Rightfully so. And it's rightfully so. It's one of those movies that uh, you just
1: learn from. It's, it's single-handedly responsible for Richard Linklater being a thing. Wow, why is that? It's a, it's the movie that made him want to make movies. Oh, wow. Among other filmmakers, from what I understand. I think
0: this also had a particular impact on Damien. I'm not 100% sure about that, but you can kind of see I'm that. I'm sure it did at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I think every filmmaker was in some way influenced by Raging yes. Bull.
1: This is another one of those movies that, again, and usually my... My films that tend to be my, what I consider the best are the ones that made, that just inspired creativity everywhere and made people want to go out and say, or basically made people say, like, I, I want to do this, I can do that, and I'm going to do it.
0: Hmm. So The way that Scorsese directs the fight sequences in particular, I mean, obviously, the personal stuff in his apartment is great, and those are the lines yep. that I often quote. Uh, I My father and I, at least once a week, say to each other... <laughs> You overcooked it. It defeats its own purpose. <laughs> you overcooked it, overcook de- it's no good. Yeah, it's no good. It defeats its It defeats its own purpose. Is a, is something we use every day. Yep. We use that line and we reference Jake Lamata in that movie every day. I love it. In that scene. Uh Pesci Man, I, you know what? I'm not gonna even oh, quote nice. it. I'm just gonna pull it up. I'm just gonna quote it. this is and this includes Goodfellas, mm-hmm. because I love Pesci and Goodfellas. Um this is Probably, if I can get it, this is this is my favorite Joe Pesci line of all time. Vamp, I'm gonna go find it. Okay, yeah. Say something else about this movie. Oh God, um,
1: uh, this. Oh man, what what to say about Raging Bull? Um, I mean it's it's one of the more relatable films I've ever seen in my life. You said this was the only movie that made it's you the, cry. It's the only movie that's made me cry, which is like insane, but. Wow, because you you do you know anybody in your life like Jake Lamada? Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. Who is that person?
0: Um, I know friends that are like him. I have friends that are like him. Okay, what if I told you that my brother is Jake LaMotta? Well, that is uh, <laughs> that's something.
1: That yeah, that this movie really fucks with me in that way. But it's oh god, it's so like scary on point in a lot of ways, and it's just it's. It, it, it's a film that I maybe I didn't want to relate to as much as I do, but it it, it just I can't help it. Yeah. And it, it 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 it's there are a few characters that I guess I understand as well as Jake LaMotta in that way, which is I guess why I connect to it so well. And um, the
0: way that sort of rage can be this blinding force that mm. controls you, not it, just controls you, but destroys everything around you, and it almost and, makes him this sort of unwilling passenger to it. Yeah. Too. It, it you almost think to yourself it's not his fault. Although he yeah. does such terrible things in this movie to his wife and to his brother and destroys all of the relationships he ever had. Yeah. You feel really bad for him. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like he's a piece of shit and the amount of empathy that you feel for that character is one of the great miracles in the history of film in my oh opinion. Oh my god, the fact that you do sympathize and kind of love this
1: character uh, by the end of it it's just it's not something I would have thought would have uh, happened for everything that he has to do in the movie and just, oh God, where he goes into jail. He goes to jail and he's, uh, he's, he's just punching the concrete wall yeah. and breaking his wrists. It's like that too. Like there are two scenes that like really get me. It's that one, uh, because I've been there and I've known people who have been there. And, um, uh, then there's the scene where, where he's trying to reconnect with his brother at the end, mm-hmm. which is the big one that gets me. Of course. Cause again, I have been there and vice versa. Yeah. And it's, oh, God. And th- even thinking about it now, it's just like, Jesus Christ. When he loses his brother and accuses his
0: brother of sleeping with his wife.
1: Yeah, like, oh, and I've been there. Jesus, not not specifically that, but yeah. <laughs> getting getting frustrated with uh, certainly certain family members in that way.
0: Yeah, right. it, it, it's And happened. oftentimes being in the wrong too, yeah. just because again you feel like this unwilling passenger to the emotion. Yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's so sad with the, the
1: certain levels of like inevitability with this movie. Right. Yeah, and the, the kind of the strange, it's like bleak bleakness to the ending or ambiguity of whether or not it's bleak or hopeful. Even though I kind of land on it
0: being more bleak. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, favorite Pesci quote of all time. You
2: listening?
1: Your mother sucks. Fucking big fucking elephant dicks. You got that? <laughs> knock knock. Uh, oh, that's a good one too. That just came up.
0: So I just wanted to <laughs> point that out. Accurate. Yeah. Fa- uh, <laughs> this favorite Pesci line of all time. Yeah. But yeah, you're
1: talking about the boxing sequences and the separation between that and the real life drama. And how one is just you know one is like kind of like almost documentary in the way it's shot in a lot of ways, and then the other one is like over the top. Well, not I don't even want to say over the top, but it's more fantastical.
0: So Scorsese literally changed the size of the rings from fight to fight, mm-hmm. depending on Jake's frame of mind. Yeah. So in the mm-hmm. fight where he beats Sugar Ray, That's so smart. He the the ring is really big because Jake is so elated. He's so happy and his life is full of hope. And then later on, it gets a lot smaller because he's in his personal hell. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a number of documentaries, of course, as you have, I'm sure, if you scroll through YouTube, the behind-the-scenes on Raging Bull. Listening to Scorsese talk about this movie is incredible. And just how he relates to Jake. Where he decides yeah. to put the camera... That's mm-hmm. And here's another thing I wanted to point out, too. It's 1978, Scorsese was... Uh, was a cocaine addict Bad bad shape In really bad shape Almost died of an overdose And when he was in the hospital De Niro comes to him mm-hmm. And says listen dude You gotta get your life back together We have this script I'll play Jake You gotta direct this We gotta get you, We gotta get your life back on track This was maybe And this is gonna be the
1: movie to do it This maybe gonna be his last film too He thought it was gonna
0: be his last film mm. Yeah Scorsese at first refused Because he didn't like sports movies <laughs> But due to De Niro's persistence, he eventually gave in. Many claim, including Scorsese, that De Niro saved Scorsese's life by getting him back to work. Mm-hmm. It's so it's strange because you listen to Scorsese talk now in interviews, and you think, "What a meek guy!" Oh God, yeah, who just seems like so happy and joyous, mm-hmm. and he really has this dark past. It's that line that he always says: "Write what you know." If you're going to make a movie, write about stuff that you know. Mm-hmm. And as crazy as the subject matter is, you have a guy that's wandering the streets of New York looking to kill somebody. You have a angry boxer who destroys every meaningful relationship in his life. And then you have a mobster that enjoys doing mafia- mafioso work. Mm-hmm. Scorsese has a lot more in common than those characters than you would think. I know. And it's one of the reasons why those movies work so well. Mm-hmm. Angry. Um... Whew. De Niro and Pesci actually hit each other in that "hit me" scene. Yeah, I can see it. Crazy. Did you know this movie has a sequel?
1: Nah, the Bronx Bowl Yeah, yeah, it's not really a sequel. Came out in 2016. Nah, it's 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 like a it's not really a sequel though.
0: Okay, just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Um, The Irishman's coming out later this year. Yeah, it is. Where are you on that? Real quick. <laughs> I, it's so gimmicky but god i want to see it <laughs>
1: that's my best way to put it it's like uh. pacino
0: de niro pesci harvey keitel mm-hmm. with martin scorsese again yep what else do you have to say about raging bull uh it's one of the better edited films
1: i think ever made and as far as like uh i don't know capturing like a oh god it like like is i like uh what do i want to say about it I mean, if I'm talking about just like some of my favorite scenes, there's nothing more memorable to me than when he basically lets himself be demolished by Sugar Ray, mm-hmm. that whole sequence. But many moments like that and how personal it all is at the same time with how fantastical it can be in those uh, boxing sequences. And uh, Scorsese's, I guess, understanding uh, of what that character is all about. Oh, my God. It's just – it's another one of those movies where um, – uh, the character kind of is the film, if that makes any sense. As it well. is. I say that. I said that. No, about, this is a
0: pure character study, yeah, through and through. Yeah.
1: yeah. I said that about uh, uh, you were never really here when we were talking about that. Right. But it's the exact same situation here. But oh my god, it's it's something that I I, I kind of fall in love with more and more the more I watch it because I didn't like like it was I wasn't like crazy about this film when I first saw it but then I saw it again and again and again and it just like oh god yeah this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: Okay, are you ready to do this? Yeah. I'm crossing off the Elephant Man. Are you okay with that? Yep. I'm crossing off Airplane. Are you okay with that? Yep. All right. I'm sorry, dude. I need to do this. What's up? I think we should put The Shining in.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Put it in. It's not my favorite, but put it in. Sorry,
0: guys. I'm putting my sweatshirt on. To the Hall of Fame.
1: Oh, the Hall of Fame? No. No, it's not the answer. And we're not going to agree on this, if that's what you're going to say,
0: because it's not Let me just make an argument. Yeah. Can I just make an argument? Here's what I see in front of me. I see the best sports movie of all time. I see the best horror movie of all time. And I see the best Star Wars movie of all time. (laughs) And all three of those things are very important. Yeah. And I'm really upset that only one of them gets to go in. However, The Shining is the most iconic movie here. So what? That means something. So what? <laughs> I think that, me- that means a lot. The imagery, the cultural references, the fandom. And also, by the way, it is the m- little movie that could. It's mm. the movie that did not do well. And I think <sighs>
1: it's the most. I, I, I think it's the worst movie, though, of those three. Maybe. me. Okay, maybe you're
0: right. We're not doing this again. However, <laughs> however, how cool would it be to put a movie like this into the Hall of Fame a movie that, at first, no one really believed in, and because of the way that movies work, because you have decades and decades to think about it and stew on it mm-hmm. and to change your mind, it ultimately it ultimately perseveres like i I feel like that movie embodies everything we 're trying to do here. You know what movie did the same thing though what Raging bull. <sighs> But Raging Bull was well-received in No, was it wasn't. Of course it was. It got nominated for an Oscar. It was mixed. Eight Oscars. It was mixed across the board. Mixed. It got nominated for eight Oscars. Yeah, it was Stanley not. Stanley Kubrick was nominated for a Razzie.
1: It was not beloved. It was not beloved until a couple of years
0: later. Stanley Kubrick was nominated for a Razzie Award. Yeah, but we know Adam. that's
1: ridiculous.
0: I. Know, that's what I'm saying, yeah. though. But everybody knew that that was ridiculous. <laughs> People didn't like The Shining when it came out, and it took seven years. Raging Bull was received, well, maybe not by audiences, but critics. Sure. There was never any doubt that Raging Bull was a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. The Shining, no, it was never thought of as a masterpiece until recently. Okay. It's the movie that, just passionately, we made the same mistake last week. We put in the movie that we felt obligated to put in. And I get you. Raging Bull, we kind of feel obligated to put it in.
1: No, I don't even feel obligated. I, it has to be
0: in there. <laughs> I, it's the best movie. I, I feel you. <laughs> I feel yeah. you. It's an iconic movie. It's a, it's a great movie. And it's also the safe pick. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to think outside the box with me. And pick the movie that we might feel more passionately about. I don't feel more passionately. I don't know if I'm going to feel more passionately
1: about any other films down the line. Talk to me about Empire. Again, I talked about Empire. It's like, yeah, it's that one's closer than The Shining. It's a better film. It's a more, To me, it's a more iconic film. It's well, a- let's put it
0: this way. If we don't put Empire in, no Star Wars movie is getting in, right? No, and no Star Wars film is going to get in. Maybe a new hope,
1: I guess, but that's fine. that's not a bad choice just because it's the first star wars. It's thing. not getting in over Annie Hall that year eh, it's a it's a, it's a conversation raging bull for like sheer excellence alone from gets in.
0: See, in I just feel margin. like we're making a statement If we put The Shining in And I
1: kind of want to make a statement I don't, no, I don't have, no need, no I I just want to go What what do I think is the most deserving, honestly I'm not, I'm not sure The Shining really is And uh, I think as far as all In the realm of films what all these, you know Everything that we picked I think is the one that the industry Should be most proud of Is honestly uh, Raging Bull
0: Alright, we have to go to the, the checklist then, don't we? Mm. Quality, Raging Bull's the best movie. Yes. Impact.
1: This is the hard definition, though. What changed filmmaking? Because it wasn't The Shining, and it wasn't... I, I might... I'm might. Raging Bull influenced more
0: filmmakers. And Legacy. Empire. All right. Congratulations to Raging Bull. You have just been inducted into the 1980s uh, Movie Hall of Fame. It's okay. For the record, I fucking love The Shining. (laughs) And it is
1: sad to not see it in there. But you
0: get what my argument is? No, no, no. I do understand. All right. Absolutely.
1: And trust me, there are other films that are probably going to beat out those those, ones that are, quote-unquote, obligated to be on.
0: Yeah. Okay. I I just want... Us to keep an open mind from yeah. here on out. Because not- that was the mistake that we made last week. No. I, I if We I, felt stronger about those other two movies, but Princess Bride was, oh, this is the prestigious, this is the iconic movie. And, like, you gotta put Princess Bride in, right? It's a sin not to include Raging Bull. Yeah, okay. I get it. It's the best movie of that year. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Good. You just? Yes. Okay. No. Good. A good year for us will be 1970,
1: All by right. the way. Where we debate... Uh, ooh, no, 1969. When we oh, did, shit. That's going to be a rough one. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, that'll be a good one. Yeah, for, for what we're talking about.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have some business to get to. Yeah. Um, let's do this right now. Mm-hmm. Next week on the podcast, yes. in honor of this weekend's release of Captain Marvel, we're doing the year that Captain Marvel takes place, the year 1995. Mm-hmm. Also, the year of our births. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly Yeah, both of us born in the year 1995 Mm-hmm I know, we're 23, going on 24 I'm 24 Oh, fuck <laughs> take that Jesus Uh, let's do a quick draft This is actually difficult I started digging into this and I have a list Um, and uh, I think I'm gonna Err on the side of caution Mm-hmm And I think you'll see what that means in a minute Do you have a coin on you? No Okay Well, I'm, uh, uh, rock, paper, scissors then Oh, Okay, you win. You want to go first or second? First. Okay, draft away. Seven. All right, seven off the list. I will take heat. Before sunrise. Whoa, that's early. Mm -hmm. Okay, give me Toy Story. Toy Story? Babe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you fucking dickwad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <sighs> usual suspects. Okay, Braveheart. No, but that's it. That's the only one. Oh no, that's bro. It. Oh, that's it. How many we do? Six. six. Oh, I lost track. Do you want to swap one out? No, that's fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you okay with me putting usual suspects in over Braveheart? Yeah, sure. All right. You don't want Apollo 13 in there? Uh, I like Babe more than both of those films. (laughs) Okay. So, no, I'm fine. All right. Okay. All right. I'm cool with that. Okay. The year 1995, next week, we will be discussing the movies Toy Story 7, Heat, The Usual Suspects, Before Sunrise, and Babe, watch those movies if you want to keep... Keep track with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be banking two episodes next week. So, uh, cool. Awesome. We this good? is great. This is fun. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, tweet us at TMT underscore media on Twitter. And, of course, visit the website TMT dot media or too many thoughts dot com. Listen to last week's episode. If you missed mm-hmm. it, subscribe to all of our other podcasts. Too many uh, thoughts. Too many dot com.
1: He's jogging his brain. I am. We're good. Mm.
0: Anything else I missed?
1: I don't think so Subscribe Subscribe Subscribe
0: iTunes Stitcher Spotify Wherever you get your shows
1: Yep that's right We're everywhere Sell your soul to us Please please We need it We need your juicy soul We need your
0: juicy soul Yep (laughs) Oh no no. Ending music Is coming up Uh, You're at some Adam Hall I (laughs) am at Funny Nico Tweets And until next time What did I say What was I gonna do You fucking idiot Movie quote I don't remember the movie quote Airplane What was it Gentlemen, I just want to let you know, we're counting on you back here.
1: I just want to tell you all good luck. We're all counting on you.